Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up? What is up? My name is Jake Iggy or Iggy for short, and this is Iggy Sports Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. And if you have not yet, make sure to go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe to Iggy Sports Talk so you are notified when every episode is released. Now let's get into this week's episode of Iggy Sports Talk. I am here with Danny Vietti, who is a senior social producer at CBS Sports and the host of the Wake and Rake podcast with former MLB player Will Middlebrooks. So how's it going, Danny? It is a delightful time to be alive, Jake. Uh, my, we're coming up on this last week here. A lot of teams still in it. I mean, we got Mariners, Red Sox, Yankees. I mean, it's a good time to be a baseball baseball fan. Good time to be alive, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it's a great time to be alive. It's scoreboard watching season. And for people who don't know, right now, the teams that are in the playoffs are the Dodgers, the Cardinals, the White Sox, the Astros, the Rays, the Brewers, the Braves, and the Giants. And one race that is tight, and it's really been tight for like the last month, is the AL wild card. As the Yankees and the Red Sox have been going back and forth on who has the first wild card, who has the second wild card. And now the Mariners and the Blue Jays are just right behind them. What Seattle's doing this year is, I don't want to say, I don't want to say it's as impressive as Boston or New York because their numbers aren't quite up there, but maybe that makes it even more impressive because one stat really sticks out to me. Fangrass, they have a formula. I don't want to bore anyone with the numbers and how they calculate it, but Fangrass has a formula for clutch, clutch hit, uh, clutch performance. So like high leverage situations, runners in scoring position, late in games, stuff like that. That's how they calculate it. In Seattle this year, it, last I checked, as of last night, it was like th- it was a nine point three one clutch rating. The next wow. team after that, I mean, the second place team in the clutch rating, uh, it might have been Boston actually, but that next team it was like three point three. So Seattle, their clutch rating is three times as many as any team in baseball, and that's incredible. And at first, when, first glance, I kind of motioned over to my dad who was sitting next to me, and I was like, "That's kind of lucky." Are the managers just getting lucky? And he's like, yeah, but it's not as if, you know, he was like, like batting average on ball and play, stuff like that. He's saying it's not as if they're just having duck snorts flying into left and right field every time the ninth mm-hmm. inning comes around. Like, no, they're making their own breaks. And I kind of thought about it. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, like they make your own luck, basically. And so that's what Seattle's doing. They have a really good bullpen. Their starting rotation doesn't always pitch deep in the games, but they're good enough. Chris Flexen, what a great story he's been, uh, went overseas and now he's, uh, been a really solid piece in that rotation for him. And they've been able to sustain it despite UC Kikuchi really uh, falling off a little bit in the second half. He was named an all-star for the first time midseason here. In the second half, he's really struggled. They were hoping to get Justice Sheffield to kind of come along and be another piece in that rotation. They ended up sending him down this week. So they've been able to do this and to have success. And they've been able to beat the Oakland A's 10 straight times despite not really having a elite arm in that rotation not really having a lineup that's going to scare too many people but one through nine they're clutch man and they have a lot of fun on that team they're a fun team to watch i agree they're, they're one of the most young and exciting teams 
that are, in my opinion, going to be very competitive for the next five to 10 years. And I even saw on your Twitter, I think it was either today or yesterday, you said, I asked somebody who, what, what player on the Mariners other than Kyle Seeger can you name? And you said, somebody said, who's that center fielder, Lewis? And the only reason people know that is because he won the rookie of the year last year. But their team, looking at the Fangraphs projected record, they projected them to have a record of 72 and 90. And I actually saw Jared Carabas, he was talking about their drought. And I actually didn't know this, that it's the longest playoff drought in North American professional sports. And it really is incredible that the last time that they made the playoffs, they also broke the record for the most wins in the regular season. And so this is going to be incredible if they're able to overtake the Red Sox in that wildcard spot. They're so ahead of schedule, too. That's what you got to take into account. Because let's say Seattle misses the playoffs. They fall short, which would suck, and Seattle would be pissed, and there'd be another year of no playoffs, which would it'd be brutal. Uh, it'd be another heartbreak up in Seattle. But when you consider their farm system, they have one of the highest-rated farm systems in baseball. Julio Rodriguez is not up on the team yet. Jared Klenick is finally starting to find his way here. Mm-hmm. Over this last month, he's finally starting to find his power. He's going to eventually turn into a hell of a player one day. Uh, and then they have some arms, too. I, like I said, Justice Sheffield is not one of their top-rated prospects anymore, but they're hoping he makes advancements. And then they have some arms in their uh, farm system as well. So Seattle is ahead of schedule. They're very similar to Toronto, but maybe they're just a couple of years behind Toronto. Like, we're, they're not quite there yet. And I don't want to, I don't mean any disrespect by that. Uh, the, especially the signings that Toronto made this offseason – has paid huge dividends. I mean, Marcus Simeon has had one of the best offensive seasons by a second baseman in Major League Baseball history. So that lineup is absolutely stacked. So I don't mean any disrespect to Toronto when I say that. I just mean when you consider their farm system, what they're looking at, what you're projecting later down the road, Seattle is very on a very similar path as Toronto was maybe a year or two ago. Right, but like it's something where when you think about the Blue Jays, you immediately think of Flag Guerrero, Bo Bichette, like – like you said, Marcus Simeon as well. And it's crazy to even think that the Mariners are a half a game ahead of them right now, especially with how hot the Blue Jays have been throughout this past month. And you brought up their farm system. It was kind of cool because I got to meet Jared DePoto uh, when he was the special assistant for the Red Sox. And he was a guy who, with the Angels, didn't really have that great of a farm system throughout his time as a general manager, usually relied on spending money in free agency, but it's incredible how he's been able to build up this Mariners team. I think with over like 250 trades, he broke a record a year or so ago, just with being able to build up this team after they've just not been able to do anything over the past 10, almost 20 years. Well, I was critical of their trade deadline too. Um, One second. I have, I'm sorry. I'm visiting my parents right now. And so I got little dogs yapping away over here. Um, No, I was actually critical of their deadline move when they traded away Kendall Graveman. I really didn't like it. Um, they basically gave away their starting closer, who was having a heck of a season. He was coming back uh, off a really good year last year, too. He had Tommy John a couple of years ago, and nobody really knew what to do with Kendall Graveman. They put him in the – because he used to be a rotation piece for Oakland a few years back. Then he got injured, and he went up to Seattle. Seattle put him in the bullpen, and he was – nails i mean he was having one of the best re- uh, seasons by reliever in baseball really under the radar but he truly was when you look at his strikeout totals right. they trade him over to houston for a guy named abraham toro and people are like what are we doing like seattle you have a chance here to finally make the playoffs for the first time in two decades as you mentioned 
longest drought in North American sports, at the four major sports Crazy. at least. Uh, and you're trading away your starting closer. Like, what are you doing? So I was super critical of that. And I, to this day, I'm still critical of that. Because if, if you truly want to compete and you truly want Abraham Toro, you trade one of the guys that's not going to make an impact on your team. Kendall Graveman, if they would have kept him around, he would have still had an impact on this team. Mm-hmm. So you could have had Abraham Toro and Kendall Graveman. Now, I say all that, and despite that, Seattle's still obviously in the mix, and they're a half game back in this wild card race, so they still obviously have a chance. But I still, to this day, am a little bit critical of their trade deadline moves. But, I mean, shoot, they've proven to be wrong thus far, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you could also say the same thing about the Red Sox. I found it really found it really funny, especially when you heard Red Sox Nation saying, well, I wish the Red Sox did something. Maybe they would be a little bit more competitive. And then when you look at Bobby Dalbeck, who's been one of the best players in the league, and same with Kyle Schwarber. Uh, but really coming down to the wire, you know, the Mariners have, have to play the Athletics for two more games than they're playing the Angels. Blue Jays are playing the Yankees currently. And I couldn't believe last night actually rooting for the Yankees to win. Pretty weird for me as a Red Sox fan. Then they're also playing the Orioles. And then looking at the Red Sox, they have two more games against the Orioles and then playing the Nationals. And so who do you really think is going to get this last AL wildcard spot? Yeah, that's the thing. Everybody wants to look ahead of the schedules and you're thinking, oh, well, strength the schedule. Red Sox are in, right? Well, they lost game one to Baltimore. So yeah. it's kind of funny. Seattle and even Oakland a little bit. Oakland's kind of out of it now, but they're trying to like team up with Baltimore and they're saying, come on, guys, like <laughs> beat up on these AL East teams for us because we need you. It's almost like a, a Captain America Marvel type situation going on. Right. But uh, uh, I, I, don't, I just want to I just I like good baseball and that's what we're getting right now. So I I hate to make a pick right now because obviously, like I just said, when you look at Boston's schedule, they have Baltimore and Washington left. Those are two last place teams, mm-hmm. teams that they should beat. And so you're thinking, well, Boston's definitely going to walk away with at least one of those wild card spots, right? But they lost to Baltimore game one. And I had a conversation with Will Middlebrooks last week. I'm glad you brought this up because it just reminded me. And I asked him a similar question. He was part of a Boston Red Sox team in 2013 that went into September. They were about five, six games up on Tampa Bay, who was in second place. Boston ended up resting their starters. And I asked him, I said, would you rather play basically competitive games with your starters in there and you don't rest your starters. You just play as if it's any other game type thing. Uh, and Or would you rather rest your starters, play teams that are in the bottom of the division, that, you know, easy games? Right. And he responded. He said, no, like we want – when you play up high competition, it elevates your game. And he went on to say, too, that when you rest your starters, that can be a good thing, too, because it can help get at-bats for deeper players on your bench. But you want to play up to your competition. You want to play higher competition. So there's definitely something to playing a Baltimore Orioles team who's already out because all of a sudden fifth inning comes around. Cedric Mullins has a two-run bomb. You're down 2-0 in the fifth inning. That pressure just starts to mount. And you start to feel it. And you start to look around. It's 2-0. And it's like, Bobby, it's 2-0. Let's get it going here. Xander, it's 3-0 here in the seventh inning. Let's get it going. So that pressure really does mount. When there's expectation placed upon you, I mean, shoot, look at the San Diego Padres. You fell well short of expectations this year, especially on young teams. I'm not saying Boston's a young team, but anytime you have expectations placed upon you, that pressure feels a little bit more weighted each each and every inning. 
Yeah, it's it's really weird, you know, looking at how the Orioles sort of are how the Red Sox have to get into the playoffs. It reminds me so much of 2011 and the heartbreaking game where Carl Crawford, you know, missed that diving catch. And, you know, also Evan Longoria hit that walk-off home run for the Rays. And obviously the team doesn't have as much expectations as the team did with Carl Crawford and Adrian Gonzalez. But yeah, it's definitely going to come down to the wire. Like you said, I, I love good baseball as well. And as much as I want the Red Sox in as a fan, I'm just, I'm just happy that they played well this season. I'm just happy that they weren't a 500 team like everybody expected. But, you know, you, you say that, but, and, and I 100% believe you, by the way. But all of a sudden, all these Boston Red Sox fans coming into the season, the over under win total for the Red Sox season, I think, I think it was 81 and a half coming into the year. And so all these Red Sox fans, once like the All Star break, they're in first place, everything's good. And we're like, oh my gosh, like we don't care if we don't even make the playoffs. This is a success story. And now we're in September. And they might not make the playoffs. And all of a sudden, Red Sox fans are like, okay, this isn't okay yeah. anymore. Uh, it's just kind of funny how that script flips. Well, yeah, I mean, and the, and the thing was, is I had a lot of people be like, Jake, that's why it's 162 game season. But like, you know, I had that, I had that New England confidence cockiness in me. I'm like, well, you hate us because you ain't us. And, you know, now it's kind of biting us in the butt. And also, you know, if, if you look back like eight days ago, the Red Sox were on a seven game winning streak and then they get swept by the Yankees. It's it's been, it's been a, such a roller coaster ever since the all star break. It, it's nothing I've really ever seen, quite honestly, in baseball for what, what it's been like for this second half of the Red Sox. Uh, but one team throughout September that has surprised everybody is the St. Louis Cardinals. They just won their 17th game in a row last night, tied for the most consecutive or second most consecutive in the NL history and it really is incredible seeing how much energy this team really has and i i said it this morning if the red sox get eliminated i'm rooting for this team to win the world series it's funny st louis's story and this is my biggest takeaway from this team is the age factor st louis has one of the oldest rosters when you look at their average age they have one of the oldest rosters in baseball not just among contenders but in all of baseball and then you look at the rotation. It's not like guys like Jack Flaherty is being dealing for him. No, no, no. It's been, wait, uh, excuse me, Adam Wainwright, who's yeah. 40 years old. John Lester, Jay Hat, 39, 38 years old. Miles Michaelis came back from injury. He's 33 years old. Mm -hmm. And then they're hoping to get Jack Flaherty back in the mix. They're hoping to get Dakota Hudson maybe to, to provide some type of boost, if not the rotation, then the bullpen. Those are their only young guys, but they've been able to sustain this much success and go on a 17 game winning streak with old dudes. I'm talking old. I'm not talking 33. Like a lot of people are talking about the giants. Oh, they're an old roster. Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford. They are older when you consider how young this league is, but those guys are Buster Posey's 34 years old. Brandon Crawford, 34 years old. The Cardinals are doing this with 38, 39 and 40 year old pitchers. Yeah. That's what's incredible to me that we knew that that division was going to be a little soft, or at least we expected it to all of a sudden the raids were reds were very competitive this year. The brewers have completely taken off. Uh, the Cubs eventually ended up falling off, but yeah, I, just so much credit goes to the St. Louis Cardinals. They have not had back-to-back -back losing seasons in decades. It's, it's a, it's always a good time to be a Cardinals fan because you're never going to be out of it. We should have known this going into the season. Once St. Louis was falling off and San Diego was, yay, we're winning. And we got the wild card all wrapped up. We should have known that St. Louis was going to become, you know, charging down the hill come September. And here we are.
it really is crazy thinking about that 2010, 2011 seasons and, and how, you know, I didn't really, if you told me that in 2021, that Matt Carpenter and Adam Wainwright, we were going to be playing against Brandon Crawford and Buster Posey. I wouldn't believe you. And I, I thought about that this morning. I'm, I'm like, just, just watching MLB network. It's crazy how both of these teams are still so good with pretty much the same players that were good in 2010, 2011, 2012. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely make the case that they wouldn't be there had they not had these big acquisitions acquisitions. So, I mean, Tyler O'Neill, my goodness, how good has he been this year? Uh, don't want to call him an acquisition. It wasn't as if it was a midseason trade. I was more so referring to guys like Nolan Arenado. Mm-hmm. But Tyler O'Neill, he has the sixth fastest average sp- sprint speed in baseball. It's faster than Tatis. It's faster than Ronald Acuna. And he also has 30 home runs plus to go along with it. Pretty freaking impressive. I mean, there's not too many outfielders in the game. We were talking about Cedric Mullins earlier. Right. He's one of, I think, four or five players, active players, with a 30-30 season. Tyler O'Neill is one of about a handful of players. You can count them on one hand, maybe two hands, who can run that fast and also have that much power. So I know Goldschmidt has been leading the charge. Arnado, he's their headliner. Him and Goldie are. But Tyler O'Neill, he's doing out in the outfield. Harrison Bader has all of a sudden yeah. found his stroke at the plate too. So uh, their lineup's clicking now. It took them a while, and they're doing it with old dudes. Their, their bullpen's a little bit younger, but they're doing it with old dudes in that rotation. They're doing it with old dudes in the lineup, Yadier Molina. Uh, but, yeah, their lineup's finally starting to find their way, and they couldn't have picked it a better time to do it. Yeah, I agree. And, and then another team like you brought up in the Giants uh, who have really been taking the whole league by storm throughout the entire season. I, I mean, all we heard about at the start of the season was the Padres and the Dodgers. And all, all it all made sense because they essentially, if you looked at both of their rotations, both of their lineups, they had multiple all-stars. And then when you look at the Giants, an aging team that has some mediocre players and some low-level mediocre signings, at, at least that's what it looked like from just on paper. And you made a great tweet a few weeks ago talking about how incredible Farhan Zaidi has really built up this team since 2018, looking at that they finished in 2018 fourth in the NL West with the 27th ranked farm system. And three years later, have the best record in baseball and with the eighth best farm system. And you also brought up the payroll as well. You know, they had the fifth highest payroll and now they have the 10th highest payroll. And it's really incredible. It doesn't make sense. Seriously. To shed salary, boost your farm system, yet also be a winning team. Those three things, they don't add up. Like, that's not baseball. You can talk about sabermetrics and mathematics. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. No. And Farhan Zaidi has been able to do that. He was hired in November 2018, like you just mentioned. He has upgraded each of those categories. Yeah. There's really not another general manager that could say that. To, to upgrade in all three of those categories in mm-hmm. that time span, there's not another general manager that can say that in baseball right now. Right. They have 12 guys on one roster who have set career highs and home runs this season. 12. Like There's only nine players that play the field on a given day, and one of them's a pitcher in the National mm-hmm. League. They have 12 different players with a career high in home runs this season. Brandon Crawford. Buster, uh, Buster Posey did not set a career high in home runs this season. Uh, but Marie, like Mauricio Dubon, like guys that they're bringing up from the minor leagues up and down, they're setting career highs. Uh, Tyro Estrada, who nobody knew was even in the league anymore, he set a career high in home runs. Darren Ruff, he played overseas in the KBO for a couple seasons. He's having a monster year. He's platooning, unfortunately, Belt was down injured. But he was platooning with Brandon Belt at first base. He's had a monster season. Entire front office, 
I don't want to say they've reshaped their organization because they're not too many years out from winning three World Series in six years. But they was an older organization. They had an older manager in Bruce Bochy. They were a little bit more traditional in how they went about their doings. Mm -hmm. uh, they've completely reshaped this organization. Yet they've been able to keep a lot of their core together with Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, Buster Posey. And they've still been able to rack up 103 wins. I think they're up to now, which is Crazy. incredible. Crazy. They've been the best team. After the first month of the season, after the second month, third month, fourth month, and now we're in September, they've been the best team in baseball from start to finish, no doubt. Yeah, it's really incredible. Another guy that I, I didn't even know who he was was Wade O'Neill. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? I'm like, wait, this guy's hitting 270 with 18 to 20 home runs. I, I, I had no clue who he was. Lamont Wade? Oh, Lamont Wade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lamont, That's yeah, Lamont Wade that they acquired from... Minnesota for Sean Anderson and Sean Anderson ended up putting up uh, I think it was like an eight plus ERA with Minnesota. Then he ended up getting released. He ended up going to Cindy, uh, San Diego. He's currently down in the minors with San Diego right now. And they were able to get a guy like Lamont Wade, who has, like you just mentioned, nearly 20 home runs. And he's been uh, placed in that leadoff spot at times. And he's mm -hmm. done an excellent job in the outfield too. So yeah, it's, it's the magician that is Farhan's AED at work. Seriously. And just looking at sort of like what this playoff landscape looks like, it's it's pretty incredible how pretty close you got to getting that World Series pick of the Padres and the White Sox. I could still see the White Sox getting there. Um, I mean, but I don't think anybody, if you ask them at the start of the season, would think that the Padres would have a losing record right now of 78 and 79. I mean, it's it's really incredible. Obviously, it's a lot of injuries, a lot of how really it's played out for them throughout this season with things kind of blowing up in the clubhouse and it's going to be really interesting to see sort of what happens throughout these playoffs. Uh, but I want to ask you, who do you see playing in the world series? I want to hold off on an answer yet. And I know that that's not what everybody wants to hear, but I want to see what the field's looking like first, Thanks. because if Boston or New York or Seattle, one of those teams doesn't get in, which one mm -hmm. of them won't, that shakes things up for me. You know, like I could see New York or Boston get really hot. Um, I could see Seattle's got limitations, but maybe Seattle gets hot. I just want to see the field before I make a selection. I will say this the American League, I want to stick with my prediction, even though it's not going to come true anymore that San Diego dropped the ball for me. Uh, but I'm, I want to stick with Chicago. I'm not going to make my picks yet. But I want, I want to lean towards Chicago. And I'm really excited about seeing Chicago because they haven't been healthy all season in the middle of that order. Yasmani Grandal, Luis Robert, uh, Ilo Jimenez, they're finally healthy. And I'm really excited to see this lineup in playoff time because that team is – they're dangerous, man. I agree. I, I'm saying – I've heard a lot of people say this, but I, I, I'd be really excited to see that uh, these two teams play against each other again in the World Series is the Astros and the Dodgers. I, th I think – both of those teams going against each other with fans. Oh my God, that would be electric. And also you'd probably see a lot of fights in, in the, uh, in the stands as well. It would be interesting. Uh, it's definitely <laughs> that bad taste in your mouth, rivalry, uh, scandalous, uh, flavor in the air. No doubt about it. I like, I'm a sucker for new teams. So everybody wants to see New York, Boston, in the wild card game, which mm -hmm. I'd be lying if I told you I wouldn't want to see that too. Uh, seeing those two teams going at it in a one game elimination game, oh, yeah. that's good baseball right there. But like I said, I'm a sucker for new teams. I'm a sucker for the new stars like Fernando mm -hmm. Tatis and Vladdy and Juan Soto. 
So Seattle, I really want to see Seattle in the playoffs here. Um, so to your point, you're going against your point, I should say, Dodgers, Astros. I've seen it before. I've seen the Dodgers in the World mm-hmm. Series like every year, I feel like, for the past decade. Well, maybe not the World Series. But every year I've seen the Dodgers get close, if not winning the World Series for like the last decade. I'm ready for mm-hmm. a new team. Same with the American League. I've seen the Astros in the playoffs for years now. Give me some new flavors here. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's it's going to be really exciting, and uh, it's it's crazy that we're almost in October. And Danny, really appreciate you taking the time today. If you're listening, don't forget go over and check out Danny on Twitter. It's Danny Vietti on Twitter, and also check out the Wake and Rake podcast. You won't be sorry. Him and Will Middlebrooks do a great job each week breaking down the hottest stories in the MLB. Yeah, I appreciate it, Jake. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for uh, checking out the pod. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.